Let's try again. Join us on Facebook Live if you can. We had a massive freeze-up. And, Steve Vines, you looked like the scream. You looked like a work of art. How are you? Hey, hey, I, 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 I'm sensing a segue here because, <laughs> because um, interesting developments in the world of art. First Indeed. of all, you have the Hong Kong Arts Development Council being castigated in the communist Agung Pao. And guess what? Within, literally within hours, it is announced that the uh, Hong Kong Arts Development Council is going to carefully review the projects that it's sponsoring. Uh -huh. We then have a question in LegCo yesterday from Eunice Young. We'll come back to that, that, that in a moment. Asking Carrie Lam about uh, whether the new M Plus Museum should be displaying works of art. Do we know exactly what she was talking about, by the way, just as a, as a punter? Quite interested. She, she was talking about works of art by the dissident artist Ai Weiwei, okay. one of which is a depiction of uh, Tiananmen Square with a finger up. So um, what was interesting is, yet again, yet again, Carrie Lam says, I'm all in favour of freedom of expression, but there's always a but. It doesn't seem that freedom of expression um, means freedom of expression. And then she says, and this is where life gets very, very worrying. She says, I am on, and I quote the exact words, I'm on full alert over these sorts of things in the art. So here we go in the art world. So here we go. You know, we've had the purge of teachers. We're, we're looking at purges in, 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 of lawyers. We're looking at purges of civil servants. And of course, we're looking at purges of people in the opposition. I mean, this is really coming to resemble the famous remarks of, past, uh, of Pastor Martin um, Neumuller, who said during the, day, uh, the Nazi era, you know, first they came for the communists, and I said nothing because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I said nothing because I wasn't a Jew. And he does this list, and, and he says, mm -hmm. and then they came for me, and there was nobody left. I mean, this is a very well-known quotation. I'm not... Uh, claiming any originality but it does look like that i mean every sector <coughs> is now being subject to this <coughs> loyalty test so-called loyalty test of course we don't actually know what the definition <coughs> excuse me of either loyalty or patriotism is it seems to be whatever the people making the accusations decide that it is but what seems to be happening is a very well established pattern now is that the communist newspapers, this is just like the Cultural Revolution, incidentally, the communist newspapers, primarily Dagon Bao, run large, sometimes four-page spreads about some individual or some organization which is accused of disloyalty. Next thing you know is police turn up on the doorstep. Government turns up on the doorstep. I mean, this is... <laughs> I was going to say terrifying, but I don't want to devalue the language. This is somewhere beyond terrifying. And it's very interesting. Eunice Young, who, who, who raised this question in LegCo, by staggering coincidence, I'd interviewed her a few months previously in LegCo. Mm. And we were talking about various things. And I said to her, do you think that there will be such a thing in Hong Kong as thought crime? In other words, you can be... Um, 
locked up or in any other way sanctioned for, for thinking things which are um, against the party line. And she said to me, this is how time has traveled. She said to me, of course not. There will be no such thing as thought crime in Hong Kong. Now we know thought crime is very much in the minds of the administration. Carrie Lam says she's on full alert for dissident thinking. Can I ask you about the M Plus Museum at this point? Because anybody who's, yeah. anybody who's lived here for a while will realise that the whole West Kowloon project, it's been growing and growing. It's been, you know, in the arts sectors, people have been really hoping that it comes to fruition, concert halls, the ballet gets a home, whatever. Anyway, I don't understand why these guys have been put into the spotlight when this is a so-called, you know, government uh, establishment project that everybody wants to see happen. Because it won't just be about this one picture, because- surely. Or, or exhibition, whatever. You no, know. obviously not. Well, it, it, we, we know it isn't because it's it's spread to the whole Arts Development Council as well. I mean, this is what happens when you have a white terror. Is Nothing is neutral anymore. Pictures aren't neutral. Oh, is so-and-so playing the works of so-and-so? Isn't that person a dissident? Let's scrap them. Is a cinema showing a film which we don't like, let's scrap it. I mean, we're over, we're over the pretense that there is an area of life that isn't touched by politics. Now, this of course is a is, is a classic Marxist concept, which is that, um, you know, the class struggle overrides all other considerations. Now, I know in the modern era, they don't talk about class struggle anymore, but the Marxist concept of everything is affected Mm. by politics and economics is now being shown to be the party line in Hong Kong. So, you know, first they came for this one, then they came for that one. Now they're focusing on the arts. And you have, I heard today on the Today programme, Regina Ip being interviewed and she's saying, oh, well, you know, hmm, I'm I'm wondering why have they got all this modern art in the M4? (laughs) I mean, this is... Good morning. Remember, incidentally, that the, the, this new um, gallery, it's a very large gallery, the M4 gallery, yeah, yeah. has been sitting out its stall to the rest of the world as being an international standard art museum. And I believe, from what I know, that, 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 that there's every reason to justify that claim. But once people start to understand that it's a, it's a museum that can only accept art from approved artists we're back in we're back in every every art museum in every dictatorship i don't think anybody saw this one coming steve in in the sort of small picture i wonder seriously to wrap up my previous thing what does this mean for the future of this institution because this has been a potential jewel in the crown for the arts community in hong kong for years well let's just see it in context we already know that the, the new West Kowloon Cultural District is way from being immune from politics. Under Carrie Lam's instructions, everything stopped to make way for the introduction of a new um, palace museum. In other words, taking some of the, frankly, third-rate art works from Beijing and putting them on display in Hong Kong to reinforce a sense of country and patriotism, blah, blah, blah. So we already knew that the West Kowloon Cultural District was going to be, and inevitably in the current circumstances, was going to be involved in politics. What I suppose people naively thought is, well, you know, M4, isn't that an art gallery? 
M4 really? is a motorway. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, you know, it's hard to say how. I, I just don't know where the barriers are anymore. When I say I don't know, I don't think anybody knows. I, I was talking to somebody who, who runs bookshops here who was saying, you know, they don't actually know what, what works are banned, what works are going to be banned what should be on the shelves, what shouldn't be on the shelves. So they're in a perpetual state of nervousness now. And this, as I say, it's, it's creeping into all aspects of society. It's, it's really worrying. It really is. I think a lot of people were probably rather surprised when they heard this in the news yesterday. It was just kind of random to think about it. Somebody says to somebody else, I don't like the look of those pictures, and boom, here we go. We're but it's hooked. not somebody. It's, I, I know. It's an official organ of the Chinese Communist Party. Remember, Dagong Bao and Wen Weibao and the Commercial Daily come indirectly under the control of the propaganda department of the Communist Party. The, the, this is a fact. I mean, I know they don't say it because it's, it, it doesn't sound very nice. So it's not anybody. I think let's, let's be clear about this. It is specifically Communist Party media organs who are calling out aspects of Hong Kong life that they would probably want to call out before. Oh. But they didn't have the power. They didn't have the incredible influence that they now have. I mean, literally, you get mentioned in Targum Pao. If a policeman doesn't turn up on your doorstep, it's quite a surprise. Let's go back to where you started just here, because I've just dug up our news thing from this morning. Oh. Hong Kong Arts Development Council mm. said yesterday it may cancel grants made to artists who advocate Hong Kong independence after a blah, 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 after a straight state-run newspaper. And we're talking about things like what they're calling yellow filmmakers who make more movies glorifying what it described as, as a black violence. That, again, is a very thin line because the movie makers themselves would say, well, no, it's a documentary. Um, it's trying to show both sides. There'd be lots of yeah, but no buts on this topic, wouldn't there? Well, let's come back to the fundamental of what was promised in Hong Kong and, and, and how Hong Kong society has operated actually very well. I mean, the, the, the new lie that, that, that is being spread, and it is an appalling piece of mendacity, these people who hate Hong Kong so deeply that they're prepared to lie about it claim that while Hong Kong entertained freedoms that were not available on the mainland, Hong Kong was in a perpetual state of chaos. This is a lie. It's not true. It's not even vaguely true. In the many years that have elapsed since the handover in 1997 mm. and before indeed, Hong Kong enjoyed this high degree of liberty and it meant that if you made a documentary film about the um, events of 2019 and 2020, people said, oh, that's interesting. That's a documentary film about that. Now it's being tested for political correctness. If you made a film about the even more intense rioting that was inspired by the communists in the 1960s, and this was during the British era, remember nobody said you can't show that film it's a piece of political propaganda so when you diminish one level of freedom you're you're dismantling the whole structure and then they these same people who hate hong kong who hate everything that's happened in hong kong over the years say but you know what we're protecting one country two systems you know we're back to george orwell's four legs 
bad, two legs good. It's, you know, it, 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 it is sloganeering and it's sloganeering that insults the intelligence of people. I'm, I just, I don't know where this is ending. Stick around. We will be back after the news. I'm getting a couple of bits and pieces coming up on our Morning Brew Facebook page, which I'll have a look in just a little while. Well, still in with Steve Vines. I'm sure you heard that last news article. We we uh, sort of arrived at the same place together there, Steve. Interesting times. We we did. I mean, I, I'm not sure there's much more to say about that. But there, there's quite a lot more to say about the ongoing vaccination saga in Hong Kong. Um, the government is becoming increasingly reluctant to release figures about this, but it seems that you know, we've now got to a stage where, where, where the humongous figure of 3% of the population, 3% of the adult population, incidentally, have been vaccinated. It's very unimpressive. And let's just see what's going on. If you look at what's happening in Europe, where there's controversy over the AstraZeneca vaccine, in my view, but it's not an informed view, I put that caveat right up front, it's an overblown controversy. But governments, in order to ensure the integrity of the vaccination program, which is using AstraZeneca, have ordered a pause in its application. Part of this, obviously, is to assess the medical implications of these suggestions that it causes blood clots. But much more importantly, it's to ensure the integrity of people's trust in the system. In Hong Kong, where something like seven people have died following being, being inoculated with the Sinovac yep. vaccine, and dozens of others have been taken to hospital, the only thing we get from the officials is no problem, nothing going on here. They declare that people who have died after taking the vaccine, it's purely coincidental. This all may be true. But the fact of the matter is that the public has no means of assessing whether it's true. So they're staying away from the vaccination program in droves, mm. in droves. So they've now extended it so that more or less anybody can apply because they can't fill up the slots. And I, I hope more people will apply. But, you know, people aren't stupid. They, they want to know what's going into their body by way of injection. And they want to be absolutely sure that not only is it safe, but it's effective. So let's look specifically at Sinovac again. In Europe at the moment, they're talking about a so-called uh, travel passport, right. which will allow people who've been vaccinated okay. to travel freely within the European Union, except for Hungary, for example. Why are they not accepting? Well, this is under discussion, incidentally. There's, nothing has been reached. They haven't launched this digital passport yet. But why is there a question over Hungary? Oh, that's right, because in Hungary, the people who've been vaccinated are using Sinovac. Mm. And other European countries are going, not really we're not really happy about that as being sufficiently protective to justify issuing people from Hungary with this digital passport. Right. So in Hong Kong, where the majority of people who, who are going to be vaccinated or indeed have been vaccinated, admittedly very small numbers, are taking the Sinovac passport, 
Of course, that means they'll be able to travel to the mainland. And indeed, maybe in the minds of the chief executive in, the na in name only the Sino, the only objective of it is so they can travel to the mainland. It will be accepted in the mainland, but will you be able to travel from Hong Kong to Europe? Will you be able to travel to the United States? Will you be able to travel to Thailand? And all these other destinations which are much loved by Hong Kongers. That's an open question. Well, we started that last week, didn't we? We said if one country says we're not happy about the virus, you're not coming in. Well, last week we didn't know about the business with Hungary, so I'm, I'm supplying yeah. additional evidence. Now, while all this is going on, the government has started bouncing around with these guerrilla lockdowns. And guess what? They're producing exactly, exactly the same result as the previous guerrilla lockdowns, which is zilch, nothing, nada. They're not finding people as a result of these immense inconvenience to citizens. Now, a friend of mine was involved in one of these, and she told me <laughs> the most likely outcome of the lockdown while they were milling around in the streets yeah. was because there was no social distancing <laughs> and everybody <laughs> was in tightly packed queues waiting to be um, tested. She said the most likely outcome of that would be that people would be infected, not that they would detect. And we're not going to know um, for another two weeks or so. We're not going to know. But, I mean, you know, these pointless exercises, which play well, apparently, with the bosses in Beijing who like to see the government adopting a so-called warlike attitude towards the virus, are serving, it seems repeatedly is the case, are serving no medical purpose whatsoever. And then you have this intriguing thing that's come up in the past week. You've had an outbreak of the virus. Again, this is a matter of fact. In the Homantin um, police uh, residences. Why hasn't that area been locked down? That's a bit odd, isn't it? I mean, you know, if, if you now find that certain areas are not locked down because they have certain people in them, even though in that area, um, the virus has been detected and other areas have been um, subject to lockdowns with, with far fewer infections being identified. Something not right here. Let's dive in to our Facebook page. We've got some comments here from end users. Uh, anyway, when you, you started off, you were talking about West Kowloon. Bright said, more job creation for another committee, same faces, question mark. Um, Andrew says, with the vetting of school libraries and imposition of some kind of national education in schools very soon, is the censorship of the arts any real surprise? It's all part of the same patriotic cultural references. Hong Kong is now allowed, says Andrew. And one more, Colin, any thoughts on Alibaba being requested to sell the SEMP? So take that where you will. Well, let me just um, respond to Andrew. I understand what he's saying about this being no surprise. And at one level, of course, it is no surprise. But acceptance of the inevitable is a bad thing. Everybody who has experienced the rollout of a dictatorship will tell you that one of its main objectives is to lull the population into a, a sense of hopelessness and acceptance of the inevitable. So on the one hand, of course, it is true that if you're going to impose a white terror in the schools, why wouldn't you impose it in the cultural sector? Why wouldn't it even go as far as uh, art galleries? That's true. But I think people need to retain 
a sufficient awareness that nothing in human life is inevitable. Um, this is a fact. So, you know, I don't think the, the I, I'm very unhappy with this complacent way of looking at things saying, ah, well, you know, what to do? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, people need to rem remain aware and vigilant. That would be my take on that. The other uh, email is very interesting about Jack Ma being um, asked to, to um, we, we don't know, incidentally, this is a fact. Uh, let me qualify that before we go any further. These are uh, newspaper reports yep. uh, from sources that in the past have proved to be accurate, but never mind. They're still at, at the unconfirmed stage. And what they're saying is that Jack Ma has been asked to, to diversify all the media holdings of his company, Alibaba. And in Hong Kong, the most prominent of those is the South China Morning Post. Mm -hmm. What this tells me is it matters no high how you jump when you're told to jump by the regime. You can never jump high enough. Jack Ma is a party member. The South China Morning Post essentially fulfills many of the United Front objectives of the propaganda department of the party. In other words, it's not a party newspaper. It isn't directly controlled by the party. And yet, it is largely supportive of the party's aims. That doesn't save you. That doesn't save you. If people in the paranoid leadership get the impression that the boss of the company is somehow getting too big for his boots, is somehow whatever it is, you can keep jumping as high as you like. Your head is still going to be cut off. This is the lesson, not only in China, as I say, it's in every authoritarian regime, it's the same pattern. So will Alibaba sell um, South China Morning Post? Well, the clearest sign that they will is an internal memo from the chief executive of South China Morning Post saying that they won't. I always take that as a leading indication that the opposite will happen. Doctor. So that, that incidentally is, is, I gather from the inmates at the SCMP, is their take on this as well. Well, Colin, uh, that was your question. Thanks very much. Well, what do you think, Colin? We've got a couple more minutes here. You've got a PS for us, Steve. Well, I mean, it's a big PS, but I'm, I'm, okay. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to learn that during this so-called consultation exercise, which has been run by mainland officials oh. over the imp imposition of new election things, that they've consulted widely in the community, even apparently consulted members of, of pan-democrat organisations. Uh, none of them have been named. Nobody knows who they are. So there may be some scepticism over that. Widely in the community, who did we actually see going into those widely represented meetings? Oh, that's right. Members of pro-Beijing organisations and members of the government. And they were told that they can discuss anything they like except for questioning the nine points of the new election regulations. So, you know, they could, they could have an avid discussion over who would be cleaning out the rubbish bins in the hall, but, you know, they can't actually discuss. And to be fair to them, poor dears, none of those people are inclined to question anyway. Um, they can't fundamentally question whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. This is the new style of public consultation. You accept the basic premise of what it is we want to do, and if you like, you can indeed discuss, you know, whether there should be a window cleaner from Typo as opposed to Shartin to administer the new institutions that are going to be brought in. It's where we are these days. So I'm 
I'm very pleased that there have been these wild, uh, wild, I said, wide consultations. But I would refer, I would refer some of the people who are present at these sections, at these sessions, to um, Tian Fei Lung, who's an academic in Beijing who comments very intensively mm. on Hong Kong affairs and is often wheeled out to deliver the party line. Who described many of the people who were at that meeting as loyal trash. That's where we're going to leave it. Steve Vines, thanks very much. And loyal thank, trash. And thank you for joining us on Facebook Live as well for your comments. Mm-hmm.